and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. It's a bonus episode this week. This time it's the top 10 soundtrack songs of the 1980s. And I decided to bring back my good friend, John Lamoureux, who's the host of the Hustle Podcast. Now, if you don't know the Hustle Podcast, you better download it after this episode. It's fabulous. John and I share the same taste in music, so we have a lot of crossover and guests. But John goes deep into artists' careers, gets them to open up. His time frame is similar to mine, the 70s to like the mid-90s to late 90s. And the last time I had John on, we discussed top covers of 80 songs, and we had a lot of fun doing that list. So this one was great because we had so many songs, we decided to make it into two lists. This show is the top 10, you know, our favorite mainstream 80s uh, soundtrack songs. Our next one will be the top 10 under the radar, like lost 80s soundtrack songs. So our criteria for this list is the song had to be solely for the soundtrack. So it couldn't be on an artist album, you know, a year, a couple of years before, and then placed into the soundtrack or the movie. So it could be on the soundtrack and then the artist could release it following the soundtrack. So that made it a little bit difficult because I had a couple songs that I had on the list that were released by the artist before their soundtrack, so I had to take them off. So I did some research. It was our criteria, so. But this was so much fun. I love John, and the show is long, but I highly recommend you guys staying through it because we have a lot of fun discussing these. John puts a little, you know, tidbits into it. I do as well. And surprisingly, we only had one crossover song that we both had on our list. I'm not going to say what it is, but I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. All right, and joining me now is John Lamoureux from my favorite podcast, The Hustle. John, thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Noel. I and, love talking to you about this stuff. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, we did one a couple months ago, and I am not a list guy, as I mentioned in our previous one, you know, the top covers, you know, top 80s covers. But it was so well received, and I got a lot of feedback, and I think you did as well. And we're both big soundtrack guys. I'm like, let's just do a top 80 soundtrack song. So here we are again. Yeah, this is kill. This is killing me because yeah. I have not just I like soundtracks. I have like an obsession, especially with 80s movie soundtracks. Right. The weirder, the better. And so I had an idea of what my favorite songs were, but to actually put them in order and to see things get cut off the list was killing me. I know it's it, it, it was rough. It was rough. So this is actually going to be part one of our list. Uh, like John said, there we have so many, and he's like the soundtrack expert. I love it, but his love is probably double mine. Um, so I figured we would do our favorites to you know the show, and then part two will be some of the under the radar, underrated songs that people may not remember that we know, and we kind of want it to be out there. So Good. people can, you know, remember them and kind of reminisce. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but before we start the list, um, did you see Bohemian Rhapsody yet? It's funny you say that. I saw it last night. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, it was pretty much exactly what I thought it would be. Right. Which is a sort of like Hallmark Channel version of the Queen story. Yes. Um, so it, it, I left wishing that I was seeing the definitive Queen movie and knowing this wasn't it, but also very entertained. And I thought Rami Malek, or however you say his name, yeah. uh, absolutely Oscar-worthy of at least a nomination, if not a win. 
and yeah. uh, especially the last 20 minutes or so that basically just reenacts the whole Live Aid, Live Aid concert, concert right. is amazing because think about the margin of error there. If you if he comes off even remotely cheesy or like a poser or not with as with less charisma than Freddie would have had in that moment, the whole thing is ruined. Absolutely. And yet he didn't. A absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, the last 20 minutes made the movie for me. Um, I have the Live Aid. Uh, was I think it's a four disc DVD set. Mm. It, it's great. It's 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 out of print now, so I you can't even find wow, it. Good uh, for you. Yeah, I got it when it first came out. It, it, it's great. Um, you, you you mentioned how you really wanted like a kind of definitive Queen like you know story. You know, um, on the Reels channel, there was a Freddie Mercury. It's about his last two years of his life, I think. Mm. And they ha it's you mentioned how you got the Hallmark Channel, so they have kind of reenactments of certain stories, but and they speak to people who were in Freddie's life, and it goes a little more into detail than kind mm. of like, you know, just skim the surface of you know they really don't want to go into his background in the movie too too yeah. much, whereas they went you know deeper into, in, in the reels uh, story. So I mean I love yeah. Queen. It's he's Freddie Mercury's one of the best talents ever, and yes. um, yeah. So I just, you know, one, you know, just bring it up, see if you, see if you, uh, saw yeah. it. Did you like it? I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, his performance, like, I think it's definitely Oscar worthy. The last 20 minutes made it, mm -hmm. but I don't think I went out of the theater knowing, like, uh, did I learn something new? I don't, mm -hmm. not really. Good point. Not no. really. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so I, it, the, the cameo from Mike Myers was kind of funny. Yeah. You know, a couple lines about how, uh. No one's gonna listen to the song and bob their head in the car. Nice little, right. uh, you know, right. oh, it's a Wayne's World, which which was pretty yeah. good. But yeah, I mean, and it's funny because how we're doing a show about soundtracks. Soundtracks are all but dead. Yeah, you know, they, they started, really are. Yeah, they started kind of fading, probably the late nineties. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's a shame because you you would watch a video and you would see kind of like intertwine the original stuff in the video with scenes from the movie, and you know. Well, videos are gone pretty much altogether now, but you don't really see that anymore anyway, so it's, yeah. it's a shame. I think the reason, one of the reasons I'm so obsessed with uh, soundtracks is because I watched a lot of movies as a kid, right. and I think most people who grew up in the 80s still have a very strong affection for those 80s movies. Absolutely. And uh, so, for instance, I've seen Real Genius a okay. hundred times, right. and that's one of my favorite movies ever, and it didn't have an actual formal soundtrack, but there are songs that are play in the movie that feel like huge hits to me right. because I've heard them a hundred times when, every time I see the movie, but they weren't actually hits. So there's these, there's songs out there that relate to these movies or visuals that you've seen so many times in your life. And they, because they're tied to a movie that you love, it makes you feel even more endeared to them, even though you've never heard them on the radio or, you know, it wasn't a thing where you got sick of them because they were overplayed so it has kind of the same, it makes you feel things that a hit song would make you feel, but yet it's buried in this, you know, movie that for 30 seconds, and uh, it's just our relationship to film and our relationship to hearing music in film and those images coming together, especially from the 80s, which is our formative years, uh, it just builds this nostalgia like nothing else to me, you know? Yeah, and like a good score to a movie, you know, it's very mm. powerful where a lot of the 80s movies, when they have the soundtrack, you play those songs, it makes the scene that much more relevant or, you know, powerful to you as well as the story. 
So it, it, it definitely has an impact. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right. So number 10, um, shall you go first? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, whatever you want, I guess. I don't oh, care, yeah. but sure, I'll go first. Sure. Um, okay. So this is, like I said, it's a, this is so tough, but <laughs> um, number 10, I'm going to go with from the Streets of Fire soundtrack, Tonight is What It Means to Be Young by Fire Inc.
Yes. The reason, now let me tell you some things about this song. Number one, um, Fire Inc. is not actually a real band. They uh, are a bunch of musicians who were known at the time for working closely with Jim Steinman of Meatloaf fame. And Jim was uh, the producer on the music for this film. Now that movie, I just watched it again recently. It's mm -hmm. not a great movie, but it does have a pretty iconic soundtrack with like, I Can Dream About You from right. Dan Hartman. That yep. was the big one that came out of there. The Fixer on there, yes. the Blasters. And um, in the movie, Diane Lane is the lead singer of a band. Boy, Diane Lane. Oh my oh, God. She, yeah. She, one of her early roles. And she was great. She's still so gorgeous too. And she's like 50 something years old. Have my you, gosh, yeah. that woman. Yeah. Have you seen and, House uh, of Cards? This season? What's that? Have you watched? You watch House of Cards? No, my wife does. Okay, well, she, yeah, she's one of the yeah. um, like co-stars this season, and yeah, wow, yeah, so yeah, exactly. She's incredible. <laughs> she looks amazing. Yeah. she is a wonderful actress. I love her. So in the movie, she's singing, but in real life, that's not her singing. The real life singer is a woman named, gosh dang it, Holly Sherwood, is her name, and. Um, she went on to, she was a, she worked closely with Jim Steinman. She sang backup on like Meatloaf and, right. uh, and uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart and other things that Jim did around the time. And I've been meaning to go after her to get her on the show because I think it might be an interesting story, but I've yet to do it. But anyway, and let me say, this is one of my favorite songs to run to mm -hmm. when I, when I'm on the treadmill some people need those like hyper aggressive songs to get their blood going. Oh, absolutely. I like songs that are more kind of epic right. and more like lift your spirits. And that's what this song is for me. So tonight is what it means to be young by fire Inc. That's my number 10. Okay. I, yeah, I absolutely love that choice. I love that movie. I had Michael Paré on last year mm -hmm. and yeah, there's, it's, it's an iconic cast. You mentioned Diane Lane, uh, William Dafoe. That was one of his, I think very first roles. Bill Paxton was in that. It, yeah, that's it's such Rick a Rick Moranis, Rick Moranis. Is in there somewhere. Yeah. E. G. Daly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Robert Townsend was a member of the Sorrells. Uh, yeah. Michael Michael T. Williamson. So it's like, yeah, it's I, I love that movie. Walter Hill directed it. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a fun movie. I, I always like tell people to watch it. It's one of like my, you know, eighties kind of guilty pleasures. Yeah. That movie, but absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but great choice. Okay, my number ten. It this was tough because I. Tried to limit it, and I actually did limit it to one song per movie, because I didn't want to do that. Because if that was the case, Rocky Four would have been every choice. That's my favorite soundtrack. Yeah. But one, you know, I picked one here, and I saved another song for the other list, the underrated song. So yeah. this is a song that everybody knows. It's "On the Dark Side" by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah.
And something I did not know that Vince DiCola wrote that song. He did? He did. And I failed as a interviewer by not asking him about that when I had him on a few months ago. Yeah. Yes. Let me tell uh, time out, Noel, real quick. Yeah. I, I get so many requests for Vince DiCola yeah. to come on my show, and I lost all excitement or enthusiasm to do it because your interview with him was so good. Oh, thank you. And, Appreciate and my, my feeling on that, I, I try to go out and find people whose stories are not overly told. Right. And so when I, when I get an idea and I hear that they've been on 10 other podcasts, I get less excited. Yours was so good that I thought I can't top that. There's no reason to do it. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. He, he was great. That was one of my, my favorite episodes and he has such a cult following, but, you mm -hmm. know, between obviously it's Rocky four and everyone knows him from the, Transformer soundtrack, but he's done so much more work that people and even hardcore fans like myself kind of dropped the ball on not knowing about On the Dark Side. He did, you know, worked on Staying Alive with Frank Stallone, a lot of music mm -hmm. there. So, and he's still working a lot. So, I, I yeah, I love Vince. Uh, but yeah, but On the Dark Side, John Cafferty, um, Eddie and the Cruisers, you know, it's, it's, the movie, it's a solid movie. It, it really is. Um, <laughs> Michael Pere did such a great job lip-singing to it that you really thought that he sang that song. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack, it, I think it's epic. Uh, the, the sequel to the movie is, you know, eh, disposable. <laughs> so, You're going to laugh. I actually like the sequel better. Really? Okay. As a movie. Right. And um, I think I might even like the soundtrack to the second movie better. Although I do think that on the Dark Side and Tender Years and some of the songs that were on the first one are a step above anything on the second, but um, I have no problem with Rock, with Eddie and the Cruisers Part 2. And this song, would it, oh, it was one of the last-minute cuts that I made right. on my list. Yeah, and, and it's funny because um, on your like recap episode I just listened to mm -hmm. last week, you guys were talking about the song as well. It's kind of like one of the like underrated songs that didn't make it quite to number yep. one. Yeah, So yeah, On the Dark Side... By John Caffrey, the Beaver Brown Band, number two. So good. Yeah. I've tried so many times to get him to come on my show. Me and too. Never hear back. Yeah, me too. Never hear back. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I should say, too, one of the things that went into the criteria for my list was, I got to admit, I, I, after having done a lot of these shows and interviewing people who've been on and whatnot, I, I, one of the reasons I didn't pick that song is because I felt like I've talked about it. Right already and i just did talk about it <laughs> and so um i don't always go back to the well on songs or artists or whatever that i've covered multiple times on the show now some of those will pop up but not a ton so anyway okay let me go to number nine this is somebody i have had on the show very very early on it was the third interview i ever did and uh this song is kind of a rarity i don't think you can even buy it on itunes this is uh something to remember me by by Jim Walker on the 3 O'Clock High soundtrack <laughs> 1987. Love that movie.
Yes. So, quick story about Jim Walker. Now, that's a real generic name, you know? Right. And uh, I've never heard of that name anywhere else other than in this movie. And so, for years, I would always try and find out, who is this Jim Walker guy? And never come up, you know, it's difficult to Google Jim Walker and, you know, find the one and only or whatever. Right. So, I, I, could, I didn't find him. Around the time I got the idea of starting the podcast, he was, of course, one of the first names that I thought of. And... I was able to track him down, and to this day, when getting his email back saying, yes, I am the Jim Walker from the 3 O'Clock High soundtrack, I would be happy to do your podcast, is one of the most <laughs> exciting moments of my entire life. I loved it because I found this guy that I've always been curious about, and uh, I just love that song. I think it's so catchy. Originally, um, I don't know if you know, but the guy who directed that film, Phil Juanu, Yeah who went on to do Rattle and Hum, by the way. Phil was a guitar student of Jim Walker's back in like the tw in their 20s. And uh, Phil couldn't got this film deal with Steven Spielberg, and he couldn't find someone, he couldn't find the right song for the film. He was going through uh, the police, he was going through Tom Petty, nothing was working out. He came to a guitar lesson and said, you know, I can't find the right song. Jim said, well, I'll give it a try came up with this song, Something to Remember Me By, and Phil decided that was the right song for the moment, and he went with it. And so suddenly Jim is, like, thrown into the Hollywood swimming pool, you know? Yeah. He's going to premieres, he's going to parties, he's get, meeting actresses, taking lunches, all of these kinds of things. The movie comes out, it completely bombs, and basically his phone never rings again. And so for, like, four months... He is the toast of the town, and as soon as the movie comes out and doesn't go anywhere, it's all over. And uh, I just think, what a strange trip that must have been. So anyway, if anyone's interested, that was, I think, like episode 10 or something of my podcast. Yeah, I have to check that out because uh, I love that movie. I've, I've tried pretty much to get anyone from the cast on that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Casey Zemesco, I've tried, obviously, Richard Tyson. Annie Ryan, Stacey, all of them. And it's, you know, yeah. even, even uh, Mitch Pelegi, you played Duke Herman. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I just, it's, I've been trying. It's, um, I'm going to keep trying because yeah. I, I love that movie. And it's like a movie that it's kind of been forgotten because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's hardly ever on, you know, yeah. cable or whatnot. So it's, it's also one that if it is on, I'll like sit there and glued for it for it for like ninety minutes. It's it's great. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, great choice. Great choice. Very well. Thank you. Okay. Number nine. Okay. So one of the things I tried to do on this was not to have too many or any John Hughes songs. Mm. I, I mean not that I don't love them. I you know you have to love them. But I just mm -hmm. didn't want to just be that guy just pick all just John Hughes songs but this song is one of my favorites if not my favorite of any John Hughes movie and mm -hmm. it features two of my favorite musicians um Suzanne Vega and Joe Jackson mm. uh left of center in Pretty yes. Pink I absolutely love that song Strip in the outskirts and in the fringes, in the corner out of the grid. If you want me, you can find me left of center off of the strip. In the outskirts and in the fringes, 
Joe Jackson plays the piano in that song, and people don't know yeah. that. I have tried. He's he's turned me down. Um, yeah, he turned me down. Yeah, too. I haven't heard back from Suzanne Vega. I've tried multiple times. I even had Duncan Sheik, who was friends with uh, her, reach out for me on my my behalf, but I haven't heard back. Uh, I'm gonna keep trying. But mm-hmm. this song is such a it's such a good song, and uh, most people just know Suzanne Vega from Hey, you know Luca, you know Second Floor and everything like that. But she has so many more great songs, and this was a few years before Luca even came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the song Pretty in Pink is not one of my favorite Johnny's movies, but the the song obviously helps it out a lot. So it's number nine, left to center, Suzanne Vega. Good one. Um, I don't know if we, if I know I said this, I think before we got into the actual formal uh, discussion for the podcast, but I should clarify, we discussed this ahead of time. So another one of the criterias was that we were going to pick songs that were written for the movie or uh, are known primarily for being associated with the movie versus a soundtrack where songs were picked that were already out there in the world and featured in the movie. Um, I will say that I think in large part, the Pretty in Pink soundtrack falls into the second category. Okay. Um, where I don't think any of the songs on that soundtrack were, were, just for that movie. were recorded specifically for it. But I'm not 100% sure, so we'll let it go. Plus, I like that song too. Right, thanks. And so um, we'll let that one fly. Yeah. But just to anyone who's listening, that went into you and I's thinking about how we were going to come up with our list. Right. And, that, you know, like I did my research and I could not, like, even before, there was one song that I, I messaged you about just to see if mm-hmm. um, it was on the soundtrack. And, and for pretty for um, the Pretty and Pink side, I couldn't find whether Left of Center was made solely for the movie or it was, for, it was out before and they just picked it. So. I figured if right. I can't find it, I'm just going to put it on the list. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll give you an example. Like, for instance, Dead Man's Party was featured prominently in Back to School. Right. But it wasn't written for Back to School. It was already on it was an already album. Out, yeah. It was just used in Back, back right. to School. So um, that would have made it, that would have eliminated it in, for contention. So that, anyway, that was stuff like that. Right. Um, okay. Well, good. I like that song, too, and I love Joe Jackson, and he's turned me down, and uh, I, I get it because he's kind of crusty yeah. <laughs> and grumpy, but whatever. I, th- I still would love to talk to him. Um, okay, I'm going to go with number eight. Are we on number eight now? Uh, yes, we are. We are. Okay. Uh, number eight for me, again, this is another guest I've had on the show. Uh, I love her, and I love this song in particular. This is E.G. Daly with Mind Over Matter from the Summer School soundtrack okay. <laughs> 1987.
love this song. I, I, I know we're going to just keep saying that over and over again right. for all of these picks, but I really do. Um, when I had her on the show, she told me something. I don't know if I knew this ahead of time or not, but originally that song was written and recorded by Debbie Harry for the soundtrack. And uh, then they decided they didn't like it or something. And so EG came in and her vocals were just recorded basically over the top of Debbie's vocals. So there are moments apparently in this song where Debbie Harry is still in the recording somewhere. I don't know. They didn't strip it completely off. Um, I didn't know that, but that's a little bit of trivia. Anyway, I love this track. Of course, I love this movie. Um, I don't have like every E.G. Daily uh, album or anything, but she was a soundtrack queen back in the day. Yeah, Better Off Dead, dead yep. Breakfast Club. So um, I love her and I wanted to throw some love at this song. I love It's a good one. Right. And... We have to forget that she was also in Streets of Fire. We didn't mention she that was. before. Yeah. She was in Streets of Fire. Yeah. Boy, speaking of women who have uh, aged nicely, E.G. Daly. Yes. You want to have some fun, Google image E.G. Daly. There's some good stuff out there. Nothing pornographic or weird or anything right. like that, but she is still a gorgeous lady. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. In the voice of uh, Tommy Pickles from Rugrats, I think. Right? There you go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so number seven. For, oh, I'm sorry. Number eight. eight jump again. Okay, so the movie is not the greatest. It's the third in the series, uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Mm. Um, Tina Turner's We Don't Need Another Hero. She also <laughs> yes. st starred in the movie. She was an you know, anti-entity. Do not 
just don't like the movie at all. I love the first two, don't get me wrong, and Mad Max, uh, Fury Road, the latest one, should have won the Oscar that year. But mm. the song is such a great song. I, I really, I, It's awesome. And you get to the children's chorus at the end. It, it's great. The choir, it's it's awesome. It's I think it's... I always have arguments with my friends that that one is better than... Uh, Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall, the, the children's oh, yeah. choir at the end, you know, it's way better. A, a stupid, you know, argument, but whatever. But it's yeah. um, it's a great song. The movie's forgettable. Uh, I think it hit number two in 1986 behind uh, maybe another song that ends up on my list later on. Hmm. Um, but great song. If you haven't heard it in a while, check it out. The chorus at the end, you know, still, yeah. still sticks up to this day. Good. <laughs> Yeah, that is that's a great song. And it's crazy that you would pick that one right here because it ties to my number seven song. You may or may not know this, right. but the person, the guy who plays the sax solo in that song is Tim Capello. Right. Who has the song, I still believe, on the Lost Boys soundtrack. OK. And uh, so that song is number seven for me.
Rocky IV, uh, Lost Boys soundtrack is one of my all-time favorites, and it would have been, it was difficult to just pick one right. from there. But I decided to go with Tim. Um, I love his version of I Still Believe more even than the Calls version of the song, and they wrote it. Uh, I love how dark and, and kind of uh, spooky it is, but also really, like, um, you know, uh, uplifting, too. Plus, he just, that image, the, the image of Tim Capello playing that saxophone all greased out and buffed on the boardwalk <laughs> in Santa Cruz. Right. It, it is one of the most in, indelible images of the eighties. And so, yes, he played the solo on your song and then his one and only uh, contribution to recorded music of his own until last year when he or no, just a few months ago when he put out his very first solo album is I still believe from the lost boy soundtrack. So that's my number seven. Great pick. Great pick. And as I went to, um, a Comic Con about two weeks ago, and they had both Jason Patrick and Keith Sutherland were, were both there. So, really? Yeah, yeah. So they, they also did like a they always do like these photo ops, like professional photo ops. Yeah. So they, they had a combo of the two of them, which which was kind of cool. Um, I, I did one solo with Keith Sutherland because he's one of my favorite. You know, twenty four is like Jack Bauer. You know, can do no wrong. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was pretty funny because they had they had that, and they also had one with him. Um, and Lou Diamond Phillips was there as well. Oh, so they had nice. a little uh, Young Guns, uh, you know, reunion. So yeah. it was kind of funny. But uh, I've yeah. never been to any Comic Cons or any cons of any kind. I need to start going to these things. You know, and it's because uh, my, my son loves going too. He's a big, you know, Star Wars fan and whatnot. So we go. Um, I find the New York ones can be completely overrated. Mm. The problem with with that is you have to get the tickets so far in advance, and with that is you don't know who's going to be there. Oh, so like like this year. There really wasn't too many big names. He went for some like you know voiceover actors from the Star Wars cartoons, mm-hmm. but uh, we went to the Rhode Island one, and I always find like those ones are had more you know m- more bang for your buck, a lot better guests and whatnot. So okay, yeah. So if you ever get a chance, you know, try to do, to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, number seven. Um, she was kind of like the queen of the soundtracks back in the eighties. She starred in a lot of these movies, albeit terrible movies. Um, <laughs> Desperately Seeking Susan. Um, what's what was the other one? Who's that girl? It was mm-hmm. it another terrible one. But this one, she was not Shanghai in Shanghai Surprise. Exactly, Shanghai Surprise. <laughs> she was not in this movie, 
And I haven't seen this movie in years. And if I remember, it was a really good movie. It starred, obviously, her, husband, her ex-husband, Sean Penn, and Christopher Walken. It's mm-hmm. out at close range. Very underrated movie. Also one that's completely forgotten. But it has Madonna's Live to Tell. My favorite Madonna song. It's so different than anything she put out at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of her number one hits, of course. Um, the movie, it's like kind of like a based on a true story. It's kind of like a 
crime family. Uh, you know, they, Christopher Walken was the father to Sean Penn. I think it had Kiefer Sutherland, who we just mentioned, he was in it. Uh, guy mm. who else was in the cast, but it had a very, very uh, powerful cast. But the song, such a great song. And going back to our covers uh, show we did, you know, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. didn't have it on there, but Terry Berlin from uh, Terry Berlin, Terry Nunn from Berlin had a cover version of Live to Tell, and it's actually really, really good. Really? Yeah, it huh. was kind of like a Donna Tribute album, and yeah, and she even said that this was the only song that I can sing, because it's absolutely wow. dynamite. So number seven, Live to Tell, Madonna. Good for you, man. That's a deep cut. I nice. would, I didn't even think about that, and yeah. that's one of those songs that when it was out, I hated that song, <laughs> and now I love it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's one that, you know, I've grown, I've become more mature and can appreciate it now than right. I did when I was a kid. But um, I saw that, I've only seen that movie in its entirety once. Yeah. And it was about 10 years ago. And I, I remember being pretty bored. Okay. But maybe I would feel differently if I saw it again. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Like same here. Like I didn't, obviously I was too young, you know, I was 11 when the song came out. And I remember seeing the song and seeing obviously scenes from the, the movie and the video. I'm like, eh, you know. But yeah. I saw it, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. I was on HBO one day. And I'm like, all right, this is it's not it's not a bad movie. I'm at the okay. revisit it again. Maybe I'll get a, a different appreciation. But I remember it not being, you know, too bad. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to do that again. I at first when you I when I figured out you were talking about Madonna, I wondered if you were going to go with Vision Quest. Oh, crazy! And, yeah, because that is one of my favorite movies of all time. Right. And she she is featured in that. And yes, unfortunately, yes. that's one of those soundtracks that is was existing music, not original music. Right. Because the beginning of that so- of that movie, when Loudon, when uh, Matthew Bodine is yeah. running to work, to um, the the Journey song, um, Only the Young. Okay, oh, yeah. my gosh. It's yeah. one of the best. I just want to get up and yeah. take the world by storm whenever I see that, right. you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so good. But anyway, uh, that's why that didn't make my list. Okay, good one. Okay. Well, number six for me is uh, one that came up on a re- on an episode that I did with a friend of mine um, where I was talking about songs that have parts in them that kind of give you the chills or that you just you could isolate and hear this one thing over and over and over again. And I'm going to go with a song from maybe the best terrible movie of all time. <laughs> this is All Over the World from ELO from okay. the Xanadu soundtrack. Oh. <laughs> okay.
I love Xanadu. I know it's terrible. Uh, it's funny, when I was in college, I was dating this girl who eventually kind of messed me up. You know, those relationships yeah, are just... totally. Not good. And uh, But one of the one, the one enduring thing that was good that came out of this relationship is that she turned me on to Xanadu. Okay. And I love that movie. Right. And I love this song. It's my favorite ELO, ELO song. It's got hand claps. It's got oohs. It's got all the hallmarks of catchy earworm songs in it and it does it to, to the very best yeah. um those things can be done and so i love this track uh, all over the world's gonna be number six for me good good one it, it, it's funny you mention that soundtrack because i kind of wrestled i have a couple of songs that olivia newton john did uh mm. didn't quite make my list but you know spoiler alert might be on my other list ah i have one that's spoiler alert gonna be in my uh honorable mention okay <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's I I I I can admit I love Lily Newton John. She's great. She, she uh-huh. you know she, she's absolutely great. You know, there's more to her than just Greece. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, number six. Uh, this is some of our crossover. We both had him on before. Tremendous guest. I loved him. Uh, Joe Esposito. Yeah. Yeah. You're the best. Try to be best, cause you're only a man, and a man's got to learn to take it. Try to believe, though the goal.
It was shopped around first before it landed on the Karate Kid soundtrack, but it was never released anywhere. So right. I, I, I figured the criteria there was... It works. It works. So, you know, yep. it, it, it didn't make... Um, it was actually up for the Flashdance Flash soundtrack, but they decided to go with Michael, Michael Sambello's Maniac instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually works out that Joe Esposito had a song on that soundtrack as well, so... Yep. It, it was well, and I'm sure you know because I think it was in an interview as well that he was up for what a feeling. He it was a last minute change mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Irene Cara, I guess her manager, wanted more money, so the contract wasn't signed. So they were going to have Joe Esposito sing that song. He was all ready, but at the last minute, you know, the deal was signed, so he got yeah. um, lady, so, lady, 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 lady. I'm so sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, Joe. I know you're listening. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. and it was also going to be uh, up for Rocky Three, but they went with obviously, you know, I the Tiger. So yeah. uh, the song gained a cult following, and now it's it's huge. It's it's in every like montage and every TV show, mm-hmm. in sports arena. Um, it makes Karate Kid, you know, what it is, and I hope that they use the song in uh, you know maybe season two of Cobra Kai. Is an homage a little bit, but you're the best, Joe Esposito. That's a good one. That nearly made my list as well. Right. I one of the reasons, again, going back, one of the reasons I probably didn't pick it is because I feel like I've talked about it a lot. Right. I love that song, and it's and it. I'm so glad that it's having a resurgence now. Agreed. And that people recognize it because it was it's so much fun. And Joe's voice, Joe has one of the greatest voices. He does. Ever. And I don't think he gets enough credit. In fact. I really like him. And last year, almost around this exact same time, it was the weekend of Thanksgiving, um, he and his musical partner, Randy Hall, Randy Hall who yeah. was in the Can't Buy Me Love soundtrack, right. um, are musical partners down in Vegas together. And I w- I've had them both on the show. And so I went down and took them out to dinner one night while I was down there because my parents live in southern Utah, okay, about 100 miles away. And um, we went out to dinner one night. It was so great just to... Just to think that, like, I know the guy a little bit. You right. know what I mean? I've had dinner. I bought him dinner. That's awesome. And uh, he's a good man. And uh, I wish that he was doing more than singing in Vegas. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just feel like this guy has one of the greatest voices ever. He, he There should be more going on than being, like, a club act in Vegas. But whatever. Whatever makes him happy. Yeah. Know? It's unfortunate because he never got big. You know, he, no. he, he got nominated for a Grammy, but he never, like broke out and, and and it's a it's a shame because he's he's so talented he really is but i agree yeah i love him yeah okay uh well speaking of great voices um this my number five pick it belong the voice belongs to one of the greatest and most unmistakable male singing voices of all time i'm going with michael mcdonald's sweet freedom oh, from running running, running scared scared yeah <laughs> yeah Your heart. Always 
my favorite movies. That's one of my favorite songs. Um, my personal feeling about the movie is that Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal have maybe the best on-screen buddy cop chemistry of any film ever in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. I really miss Gregory yeah. Hines. I wish he was still around. I know, me too. Me too. Um, and I just, I'm sure that people out there think that Sweet Freedom might be a little cheesy. Nope. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And it makes me happy without fail every time I hear it. And so that's my number five. I'm sure that you have your Michael McDonald impersonation, right? <laughs> I don't think I'm good enough to carry it off. Right. I wish I could. Yeah. I, I had an idea a couple years ago for, for a skit of people dressed up as Michael McDonald, singing Michael McDonald, doing Christmas carols, going from door to door. I, I, I thought that'd be hysterical because he's he's got that mistaken you know unmistakable voice and he, and he he has his hand in everything too. Yeah, you know it's from like you yeah. hear him in like Toto, you hear him with Christopher Cross, you Billy Dan, yeah, I exactly. Know. He, you know it's like a gun for hire, and he, he's he's so talented. But yeah, yeah, I love him. A great choice, and Jimmy Smith was great in that movie too. Yeah, he sure was. Yeah, good choice. Okay, my number five ties in with number six a little bit um i mean obviously this is a kind of like a no-brainer song it's uh survivor's eye of the tiger
I love it. It's great. Um, but I chose it for Rocky Three because it's it's mainly featured in Rocky Three. Yeah, you know, it's on the Rocky Four soundtrack, but I'm going with Rocky Three, kind of a loophole for maybe perhaps later on in my list. Oh, um, okay. yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had Dave Bickler on a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. and you know, because people maybe not remember that he sang that song because everyone remembers Jimmy Jameson for mm-hmm. you know the, the later stuff on Survivor, but he did the first four albums of Survivor, and mm-hmm. he was great. Um, Jim Peterick and Frankie Sullivan wrote, wrote that song at the request of Sly Stallone. Um, it blew up, obviously. Yeah. You know, Oscar nominated, Grammy, you know, nominated. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if people know this, but Stallone originally wanted uh, Queens, another one bites dust for Rocky Three. Oh yeah, and, I think I did know that. Yeah, so Queen turned him down, so he went to Survivor. And sure enough, it worked out <laughs> pretty yeah, well for uh, sure the did. movie and, and Sly. So number five, Eye of the Tiger. Good. Perfect. Um, I mean, who doesn't love that song? Exactly. I didn't pick it maybe because it was just a little too on the nose. Yeah, I know. In I, my mind, but, I had uh, to go there for that one. It absolutely deserves to be on there. Yeah. And um, that was another good one. Dave Bickler, I've been trying to get him on for years. And I've never heard back. And in the meantime, I've heard him on like two or three other podcasts. And so now I'm not even really interested in talking right. anymore. because. Yeah. His story's already out there. You covered it, did a great job. Others have too. So I'm uh, I'm ready to let, uh, I'm willing to let that one go. Right. Good choice. Nice. Okay. Well, number four fits right into this. We're talking about Rocky, so I got to go with Rocky Four, huh. and we're going to go with Robert Tepper's No Easy Way Out. Ah. I have a feeling this may show up a little later. Probably. You, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, technically, this song was not written for this movie. Right. The song was written about his divorce yeah. that he was going through at the time. and But it was used in the movie, and I'm pretty sure the movie preceded the album, also called No Easy Way Out. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So it, um, maybe the song wasn't written directly for the film, but it is associated so tightly with Rocky IV that I felt like it fit our criteria. Um, that's, I mean... Who knew that just watching a guy drive with a lot on his mind <laughs> right. while he's thinking about boxing yeah. would be such a compelling movie montage, but it's one of the greatest montages in 80s film history, and 80s films had a million montages in them. So I had to go with uh, No Easy Way Out for number four. Great choice. Um, yeah, I'll, it, it does make an appearance on my list later. Uh, there were so many montages in that movie. I, I that movie is just like ninety minutes of it's one it music is. video. It's like a music video. I love it. And so my number that was your number four, correct? Yes. Okay, my number four. Uh, Nineteen eighty five was a big year for Michael J. Fox. So Back to the Future, number one movie in um, <laughs> in in, the, in America that year. Um, Family Ties. He was up for Emmys. I think he won the following year, but he was up. But another movie he was in and starred was Teen Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this song made awful <laughs> basketball watchable. It, it's Mark Safin winning the end. I'm still 
It's such a good time. I love it. And it's like, were there only two like best two high schools in like the state or the county? Because they were awful. They were terrible. I I mean, Coach Finstock. You know, God bless him. Uh-huh. You know, just like I I don't know. There had to be other players on, on, in the school just better than what was put out there. But you know what? The song makes the the last you know five minutes in the movie great. Oh, it's so funny you yeah. picked this one. And and the problem is, like, I I I've, I've tried getting him on, and it's like he's like, are you really? He he's, he's like a, a ghost. He's like really? a, like a visual artist. Also, his brother huh? Craig, I think, does a little more. I'm Facebook friends with Craig. Oh, okay, yeah, he uh, he's a big TV and I think movie um, composer. Uh-huh. Yeah, so maybe I should reach out to Craig see if I can get Mark on. And I think Mark had a little bit of resurgence. When Jeremy Lin came, you know, the Lin Sanity uh-huh. kind of broke out. I think ESPN did a little thing with Mark. But, uh, yeah, such a great song. Uh, that soundtrack is, like, impossible to find. I know. It, it's but really it's hard. full of good stuff. Yeah, it, it's really, really good. Um, and, yeah, great, great movie, great song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
So let me tell you, this was in the running. Okay. And was one of the reasons I suggest we do the second less, more obscure list. Right. Because so, spoiler alert: this song will probably make an make an appearance on that list. Okay. Of mine when we do this. Right. And uh, and it's interesting you say this because everything you're saying about the Teen Wolf soundtrack and this song in particular illustrates what I was saying earlier about the power of movie soundtracks because no one, almost no one on earth owns the Teen Wolf soundtrack. I don't know that it ever even came out on CD, but everyone knows that song right? because we've all seen this movie a million times. And so we love this song. And even though we don't have a history of, hearing it on the radio with our friends in the car or the girl in the car or while we were working out or at the school dance. It's not one of those. It's only in a movie that we've seen, but we have such strong, pleasurable feelings for it that we all love it. And it's just, it's interesting to me how our psychology works that way. And so excellent choice. I'm glad you went there. Thanks. And you know, it's, it's pretty funny because um, the last song of the movie after he hits, you know, the, the, the foul shot, uh-huh. Uh, and you hear the song "Shooting," you know, "Shooting for the Moon" by Amy Holland. Amy Holland is married to Michael McDonald. <laughs> she is. That's yeah. right. So that ties into uh, "Sweet Freedom" a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> good for you, man. This yeah. is, see, this is I love this stuff. I love this. All yeah, right, good. it's great. Yeah, I, I um, wish I wish I could have been tested for this in school because you know I, I would have. Uh, yeah, <laughs> been great. If this is what it took to like be successful in life, we would be running the planet. Absolutely. And and yet it's of no use to anyone but us. Yeah. You know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, all right. I'm gonna. I I have to say I think my final three picks are all. I try not to throw the word iconic around very much, but right. I think they all sort of fall into that category okay um for number three i am going to go with this woman's work from kate bush oh. on the she's having a baby soundtrack oh love for kate bush <laughs> i do too um it's uh i feel like i'm i feel like i almost feel like we should whisper you know like it's <laughs> yeah it's improper to talk about this song and kate bush in as lively and jovial a manner as we've talked about all the others because it's so almost sacred in a way right you know um, obviously, you know, the movie, it's, it's a beautiful montage within the film. The dad doesn't know if his wife or child are going to live through childbirth. The song was written for the movie. I had the guy, Tarquin Gotch, who was the music supervisor for the soundtrack on my show. That was a real highlight for me. Um, it, uh, it's, it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music in recorded history to me. And, uh, probably I would say this it might be the greatest female vocal performance of the eighties as well. I have, uh, I've argued that it might be either this or Cindy Wilson in girl from Ipanema goes to Greenland from the B 52s, okay. a very different song. Right. But, uh, it, this song is just, it's almost a hymn. It's so sacred and beautiful. Stand out 
Great choice. I mean, any yeah. anything by Kate Bush is is music to my ears. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. Okay, so my number three. Uh, this is, I think this is the first time we had a um, going back to your number ten song uh, from Streets of Fire. I'm going with Streets of Fire soundtrack as well. Uh, Dan Hartman's "I Can Dream About You." you. I, it's such a great yeah. song. Cure 
sung by the Sorrells, but his voice, Dan Hartman's, wasn't in the movie. It was only in the video and the soundtrack. Uh, in the movie, they used Winston Ford's voice. Mm. And if you've seen the video, I'm sure you know this, the, the yeah. song, your recent guest, Joyce Heiser, is in the video. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which, um, it's, it's such a great song. Uh, I had no idea that Dan Hartman sang it. Even though you see the video, it's like, whoa, it's like a white guy sings this song? <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those, but it's, you know, it's it's an iconic song. Uh, the soundtrack is great, and we love the movie also. <laughs> I, I think I love it a little more than you do, but um, it's still an enjoyable movie nonetheless. It is. Yeah, so uh, I Can Dream About You, Dan Hartman. Yeah, I, uh, I love Dan Hartman so much, and um, I wish... He's one of those people that if he were still alive, yeah. he would be, like, top choice for right. me to have on the yeah, show. Gone too soon. And in truth, he had so many excellent soundtrack songs from Fletch, right. from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. The guy had a ton. And I couldn't, I was having a hard time choosing one. And so I didn't choose any. Right. And I sort of, I, I don't know if that was the right move or not. I love this song. I, um, again, it felt like it would be more interesting to pick something else to talk about instead, since it's, everyone knows it. So right. I did. I went with Tonight is What It Means to Be Young. But, such a great choice. And I remember very specifically seeing the video on MTV with the three black guys singing it. And just those guys looked so cool. <laughs> I wanted to be those black guys Absolutely. so bad. And then I remember buying a Smash Hits magazine <laughs> from a 7-Eleven. And there would ha they would have lyrics in there. And it had the lyrics to I Can Dream About You with a picture of Dan Hartman. And I was like, I'm so confused. Who's this pudgy, blonde, white like guy? That, right. <laughs> What what that's the, that can't be Dan Hart. Dan Hartman's like the coolest looking black guy I've ever seen. Sure enough, it, that's who actually sang this movie. I never saw the Joyce Heiser video oh, okay. until just like a year ago. Right. I didn't even know that was a thing until recently. Yep. And um, so anyway, I was so confused, but I love Dan Hartman. He's one of my all time favorite so uh, songwriters. So good choice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, is it bothering you that I keep inserting all this like trivia for our choices? I, I love it. Like um, okay, I'm, I'm doing the same. Cut I absolutely it out love if it. You want. No, I know. I'm keeping it in there. It definitely. Okay, makes good. makes the show. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, okay, number two, um, maybe the exact polar opposite of this woman's work. I'm going with Public Enemies' "Fight the Power" <laughs> from uh, "Do the Right Get Thing." Get our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight.
1989, I had to check because the album, Fear of a Black Planet, which is like in my top 10, top 10 favorite albums of all time, right. that came out in 1990. But the song and that soundtrack came out in 89, so it barely makes the cut. It's one of the most epic, rabble-rousing, get your spirit, get your blood pumping with righteous anger and indignation songs in the history of anything. I love Chuck D. I love Public Enemy. I love that song. And uh, so, yeah, that's going to be my number two. Great, great choice. I, I haven't seen um, Do the Right Thing in quite some time. I, I got to go back. Yeah. To, yeah. Remember, and, but Public Enemy, they're, they're awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you wish you had like a band like that to this day. You know, it's, mm. it would, it, they'd be pretty powerful like they were 25, 30 years ago now. I agree. And I feel like Public Enemy, I'm not a hip hop expert or anything, but I feel like Public Enemy has been sort of, they're less considered today. I don't know that hip hop thinks about them in sort of the vaulted terms that they think about someone like Jay-Z. But to me, I am just, I was so much more into rap like that than I was the sort of gangster stuff. Yeah, me too. I remember Public Enemy at the time saying themselves, I think they touted themselves as like CNN for black people. <laughs> and I sort of, I like that. It was like, 
when I listen to Public Enemy, I feel like I'm learning something. Right. You know, I feel like I'm learning history and I'm learning it from a perspective that matters. Someone who has like a, a grounded opinion that I need to pay more attention to. I'm ignorant if I don't. And that was so much more provocative and interesting to me than gangster rap that just went too far the other direction. And there's some good stuff in there too, but it doesn't have the same impact to me that like that that fear of a black planet public enemy stuff did from the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, like my like I loved all rap in the eighties and it I probably stopped listening early nineties it just probably when Tupac slash like, you know, uh Biggie got big is when I kinda yeah. stopped listening. And same. I still love it, you know, to this day. I you know, playlist and Spotify I'll just randomly play it and it's it's tremendous. But yeah, it's there's a message to it, and a lot of the music now just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's lost something over the years, and, right? And I just I miss I miss that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so my number two. Um, this is one of the songs I had a question about you, but I wasn't sure mm-hmm. because there was two soundtracks out for this movie. Like it was it was so iconic, um, the Valley Girl movie. So I had to go with one of your um, most recent guests, Bob Rock. Yeah. And a, a legend, legendary uh, producer, also a member of the Pales. Yeah. And this song, Eyes of the Stranger, it's one of my favorite songs. Not just a soundtrack song, it's just of all time.
it's so impossible to find any of their music. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate. I, I, I can say I legally downloaded some of their stuff years ago. <laughs> so I, I have it on my my iPod yeah. uh, right. that I you know, don't listen to. But uh, you can find, you know, this song is on um, Spotify. But there's so much more, like you explained to when you had Bob Rock on. Their, their music is great. Uh, this song is legendary. And it's one of these songs that you need to have people hear it in kind of promote it because I don't think too many people remember it as well as the movie. Right. Yeah, I agree. That's an excellent choice. I love the Paolas. The song I didn't, I didn't really, I don't think I knew until I got ready to talk to Bob Rock was produced by Mick Ronson. Right. Former guitarist for David Bowie. Um, I love the sort of reggae feel of this song. Um, I didn't realize I, I, ha- I heard from a lot of people after this after that episode came out that they didn't even know that Bob Rock was a member of the Paolas. Okay. They had never quite made that connection. Right. Um, but it's really good, and their music was really good. And I, one thing that I came away from from that interview, there's no Paolas albums are not on CD or even on iTunes. And I was like, why? Why is that, Bob? And he's like, Yeah, you're right. I, I I should probably. I think I made a phone call once, but nothing happened. And I'm thinking. Bob Rock, you've made billions exactly. with a B, billions of dollars for these people, and they can't do you the solid of putting payolas out on CD right. and, or on iTunes just as like a thank you. Are you kidding? You yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, I wonder. Anyway, that like, kind of blew me away. Yeah, I wonder when he can get back, like the, you know, the like the licensing from those albums, yeah, or his songs. Hopefully soon, so he can put them out there. Maybe the, maybe the he or the labels just don't feel like there's much of a of an interest in that. And who knows in this day and age if there is. Right. But mm-hmm. my thinking is this guy made you a billion dollars. Yeah. Just put his stuff out on CD. Right. You I, know? I agree. Don't be jerks. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, number one. All right. Huh? Good one. Number one. Okay. Um, this is probably an obvious choice. To me, it's the greatest uh, song in probably film history, not just 80s mm-hmm. film history. It's uh, Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Troubles and doubt 
one of my all-time favorite songs it's a song i never get tired of right from the opening thwack of the drum but from mel gainer uh it transports me back unlike anything else it has never sounded dated or old or tiresome ever and uh as you probably know the song was i think everybody knows this at this point it wasn't written by them it was written by keith forsey with the intention of giving it to Billy Idol. He didn't want it. Brian Ferry didn't want it. It bounced around and eventually ended up with Simple Minds. They added the uh, hey, 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 mm-hmm. and the la, la, las, which, if you ask me, they deserve almost a, a co-writing credit just right. for that. Yeah. Because, of, because those are such wonderful little accents, along with their performance and, play, and recording of the song, they deserve a little something-something you know, from roy- from a royalty perspective for having co-written this track, if you ask me. Um, they are one of my top, to- top 10 favorite bands of all time. I love every one of their albums for different reasons. They're all different. Uh, I just saw them in concert recently. It was great. I remember hearing that uh, this song is a little bit of an albatross around their neck because they d- it took them a long time to like it. Right. They didn't like it because they didn't write it. And um, in various parts of the world, uh, only really in America is this song a big deal. If they perform in other places, it might be like the third or fourth song in the on the set list. Okay. But in America, it's got to be near the end because it's so such a big right. deal. But uh, anyway, I can't think of when I think of '80s movie soundtracks, this is the most obvious thing that comes to mind for me. Well, great choice. I mean, it's an iconic song from an iconic movie. Um, I, I love it too. Uh, I'm disappointed that i didn't get a chance to see them in concert when, when they you know passed through new york but hopefully they'll come back because they're, yeah. they're on my bucket list as well but yeah great choice great choice okay my uh my number one obviously i have to have a top you know the top song from my favorite soundtrack of all time rocky four 
Uh, my goal is still to get every surviving member of that soundtrack who contributed to that soundtrack on my show. I've got a couple. I'm still I'm still trying. Some of them, mm-hmm. I, I can I, I'm not, almost guarantee I'm never getting Kenny Loggins on my show. But <laughs> I, I keep trying. You know, I keep trying. Yeah. Uh, I've had um, I doubt I can get Gladys Knight. I tried. You know, Go West has been difficult, but I'm going to keep mm-hmm. trying. Um, I tried Go West so many times. Yeah.
easy way out. Robert Teppel, who yeah. he agreed to come on, so we're still playing tech. He hasn't gotten back to me in a while, so I, got, I know you had him on. And you He's a, slippery. Yeah, you had a great interview with him. Um, you, you mentioned everything before. I mean, it's, you know, the movie is full of montages. It's the best montage in, I think, I think movie history. Uh, yeah. the, the fact that Stallone didn't get pulled over for speeding any point of that, you know, <laughs> is is amazing. But it, it's you know it's such a good song. Um, I could have gone so many other ways for that soundtrack. I just like I said before, the whole my whole list could have been that soundtrack. But yeah. this is my favorite song of that soundtrack. So no easy way out. Good one. Yeah, so, yeah, we only had one crossover, so not yeah, too bad. Yeah, that surprised me. I yeah. thought we might have more. Yeah, so, I mean, we just love that song. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So, we that's had it. a couple um, honorable mentions. Uh, we, we could have had a lot, but we kind of limited it to three. Uh, so, I'll, I'm going to give one that we kind of, you mentioned before, but it's, it wasn't meant for the soundtrack because it was recorded before. So I'm gonna eliminate that song was Dead Man's Party. I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate that from my list because uh, I had it on there. I forgot that it was out there before. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, great song. But okay, so in in its place, this song is so ridiculous. I laugh and I enjoy it every time I hear it. Um, we all know now superhero movies are huge. Uh, but when Batman came out in 1989, <laughs> it was such an iconic movie and. It, the experience was like unlike anything other, um, and Prince made the soundtrack. I was like, "Whoa, you know, Prince!" So, and the song "Bat Dance," I, I mm. love it. It's it's such a stupid song, and it, you know, <laughs> it mixes in lines from the movie. But I mean, it's just I, I love it. it's a guilty pleasure. And every time I yeah. hear it, you hear it randomly, you know, on like Sirius XM. But I have it on one of my playlists, and I, I usually hear it a couple times a week, and. I chuckle and I, you know, recite the lines <laughs> and it's it's a fun, stupid song. Oh, I got a live one here.
one of Prince's best songs but you know, it's no purple rain but it still no. it still makes me laugh and enjoy it <laughs> classic wow that's a ballsy pick yeah <laughs> I have to admit I didn't even consider that soundtrack although I do really like electric chair that's my favorite yeah. song from that. <laughs> that's good too yeah yeah good okay well my first honorable mention I touched on it earlier I mentioned that Olivia Newton-John right what I I am I'm not a huge I find her voice a little histrionic a little over dramatic for me sometimes okay. But some of those 80s hits are just so good. And I really like Twist of Fate oh, from, okay. the, from, the, from the movie Two of a Kind. Did yeah. you have that on your list, too? It, it's on my, it's, it'll be on my other list. So your other alert. list. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, I purposely pick the three honorable mentions that I'm going with are ones that were, in my mind, kind of bigger, less okay. obscure. So this was one of them.
I have grown to really love that song over the years. It's one of those that uh, maybe I didn't pay that close attention to when I was 11 right. when the movie came out. But now I think it's really special. And uh, I guess maybe because I'm not the world's biggest fan, I don't dislike her. It's just, it's kind of like listening to Barbra Streisand or something. Right. I, I'd have to be in the mood or something. Yeah. But I just think that song rocks. It's got a really good vibe to it. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Twisted Fate for one of my honorable mentions. Yeah, I, I love love the song. The movie is so bad. It's, yeah, it is. Oh, my. I remember seeing the theater and it's like, oh, wow. Now we have the reunion of John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. It was like, if, if I would have seen that in a, on a plane, I would have walked off the plane. <laughs> or if I were watching my house, I would have walked out of my house. It's like such an awful movie. But yeah. Thankfully, something good came out of that movie, and it was that song. So, good. yeah. All good right, one. so, yeah, so one of my, my next choice, I mean, this song is, it's an iconic song. Uh, it was number one for a couple of weeks, but I just didn't want to have too many of those on my list, so I kind of left this one out, and it's St. Elmo's Fire by John Paul. I thought about that one too. Yeah. He, and talk about soundtrack kings. He was on, I think, 12 different movie soundtracks in the 80s, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to get him on. And I think he's coming to New York for a tour, and I believe yeah. in the spring. So 
I'm going to try to reach out and try to do something in person with him. Hopefully, hopefully then I know you had him on as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the song, it was, it was written for the Canadian athlete, Rick Hansen, who was mm-hmm. um, in a wheelchair. So he would, went around, I think the world raising for, you know, awareness for spinal cord injuries. And the journey was called the man in motion tour. And so, so brought on same almost fire. So, uh, great song. Uh, the movies, I enjoy the movie. You know, it's it's one yeah. of, featuring the, the Brad Pack, so it's it's a good movie and uh, written by the legendary David Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I thought about that one too. Good choice. And John, I, John is a lovely, lovely man. So nice, yeah. so nice. And he's got a lot of music beyond just this one song. Right, that is worth exploring. I really like it. Um, okay. I think for my second uh, honorable mention, I'm going to go with one that I think is one of my, it's one of my favorite. I would have picked it for the covers episode we did, except that it was a cover in the 80s, oh, okay. not of the 80s. Right. And that's uh, Aretha Franklin's version of Jumpin' Jack Flash nice. from nice. a movie by the same name. Yes. And uh, I think, especially with her having passed away recently, I've been listening to it a lot more. And knowing that Keith Richards, like, I think produced it and played right. on it, which means it sort of like has his blessing, right. you know, and uh, it's a little grittier than, you know, other songs from the 80s might have been. Not that I, that bothers me or anything, yeah. but I just feel like this isn't some little novelty thing for a novelty movie from the 80s. This is a legitimately incredible cover of an iconic song. And so I'm going to go with Aretha's Jumpin' Jack Flash. Great choice. Great choice. That's when, like, you know, even the movie, like Whoopi Goldberg, 
people forget, you know, she will be global now on the view and stuff like that. She was a funny actress and she was, she was. really good. And she was great in ghost and all the other movies. Uh, so yeah, great choice there. Totally. Good. All right. So my next one, um, I recently saw him in concert, uh, Phil Collins. Uh, and yeah. we all know Phil Collins. He's like, you know, the male version of Madonna with the soundtracks in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one is from a movie I, I still haven't seen. And I, Pretty much, I don't think anyone's really seen it from the movie Buster. Mm-hmm. And it's a song, A Groovy Kind of Love. absolutely love it i wish he would have played it at the concert but you know so be it he didn't get my request to play it so <laughs> life goes on um that that was one of my choices for my wedding song um, Oh, nice. yeah didn't make it but it's all right i was still married so it's fine uh <laughs> yeah and this song originally was going to be played it was recorded in the 60s by a band called the Mindbenders. so it was original i guess a cover version of, of their uh version um Stephen Bishop, who you had on your show, was going to be uh, recording it for the movie. Yeah. What Phil Collins ended up starring in, he produced it. The last second, they changed it so Phil can sing it. Uh, it's, I believe it's the only time that he had a number one song, both in the U.S. and in his native country. I think oh, was, interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's had, obviously, tons of number ones. But this was the only one that it was number one in both countries. Okay. So, yeah, Phil Collins, Groovy Kind of Love. Good one. That's a really, that's a deep cut. I finally saw that movie for the first time just within the last couple of years. I think okay. it was on TV, right. like me, me TV or one of oh, those okay, old school yeah. channels, you know, I yeah. thought, Oh, I fi- I'll, let's finally check this out. It's nothing special, but the music from the, from it's really good. Yeah. I think two hearts um, was on there as well. Yeah. 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 A couple other ones. Yeah. So I'll have to go check okay. it out eventually, but yeah. So, um, this was part one. We'll have to. We'll do part two. Uh, we got one more honorable mention to go. Yes, you do. I'm so sorry. I don't want to jump in no, here. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was saving. I've been saving this one, so okay. I got to make sure I throw it out there. Um, me being the Bowie fan that I am, oh. I had to go with something from Labyrinth. So we <laughs> yes. go with Underground from Labyrinth.
Nearly made my top ten, and it probably would if uh, on some other day. But I, uh, I think it's it's probably my favorite Bowie song from the '80s. Well, I guess that's not true. Scary Monsters is okay. my favorite Bowie album, and that technically came out in 1980. But I don't. It doesn't sound like the '80s version of David Bowie, right. you know, that we think of with like Blue Jean and Let's Dance. Yeah. But uh, I love Underground. I love the gospel feel to it. I love the, you know, the any song that's got black ladies singing backup is mm. made better for it. And Agreed. this is one of them. Agreed. And so, uh, yeah, I got to go with Underground. Yeah, great choice. Yeah, that's another movie I haven't seen in like a long time, too. Yeah. yeah I have to, uh, have to revisit that. I got to take a day off from work and kind of it's, binge watch all these movies. <laughs> that's another one I saw recently, and it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a tough watch. Honestly. Right. Yeah. Is it is it like Dune tough watch or no? Uh, I've never actually seen Dune the whole way through. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, Labyrinth's a tough one. It's not as fun or, you know, exciting as you think it might be. Right. So. And, you know, it's funny that we, of all our songs, our 10 songs each and our three honorable mentions, we left out the king of 80s soundtracks, Kenny Loggins. (laughs) Well, does he have any, are any of those songs good? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. I love Kenny Loggins. And, you know, I wouldn't have thought Danger Zone, but and I'm kind of over Footloose, but right. uh, I Feel Free. Is that the other song from Footloose that he did? Yeah. I like that one. Right. Maybe I'm All Right. I'm all... Caddyshack might yeah. have been in consideration. Right. I was going to pick, uh, well, Heat, Heat is On, of course, from um, yeah. Velvet I was going to pick, because this movie is one of my all-time favorite guilty pleasures, um, Over the Top. I was going to pick Meet, Meet Me Halfway on my list. <laughs> But yeah, I, I left it out. But yeah, I mean, because th- there are so many great '80s songs that we don't need to have the king of the '80s soundtrack on yeah. our list, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's funny. I had uh, "Winter Takes It All" by Sammy Hagar, okay. also from Over the Top, right, in the running for this list. Yeah, yeah, that's another good I one too. Yeah, 
but John, this was great. We'll uh, we'll do part two uh, soon, and you know, yeah. bit better better uh, study because I got to do some work too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready, man. I'm ready for these. This is my wheelhouse. I could talk for hours about this stupid stuff. And a special thanks to John for joining me today. Go check out The Hustle. The podcast is on iTunes. It's on Podbean. They have pages on Twitter, on Facebook. Part two of the list will come out in a couple weeks. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first in all one nine. Be sure to like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes. Check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? The show is on Podbean. It's on SoundCloud. Now it's on Spotify. On Spotify, just search Reliving My Youth, all one word. Go to tpublic.com for all your Reliving My Youth merchandise. Just search youth on tpublic.com. A new episode of Reliving My Youth comes out every Wednesday. See you next week.